Good morning, everybody. So we're just going to dive right in. I have been listening to a podcast by um, this amazing soul named Hindsight. Maybe some of you guys know him. Um, And I felt really inspired by how his episodes don't have any type of intro or any type of long um, production. It's weird. It's like the episodes are great quality, but they don't have a lot of pre-production intro ads, all of that stuff. Now, I'm not saying y'all are not going to get an ad here or there because (laughs) you may, (laughs) but um, I'm definitely feeling more led to just organically post these podcast episodes rather than producing them. That's the word I was looking for. It's early, so bear with me. (laughs) And my reason for doing that is really just because I want to and also because I noticed that when I have to do a lot of editing and placing music and placing ads and chopping down this and reposting this on YouTube, it makes me not want to do the podcast, right? And um, I have a lot of things that I want to share. As of lately, I've been having a lot of ideas. I've been having a lot of conversations with myself about stuff and I want to record them, but sometimes thinking about the editing stops me from doing it. So I've said all that to say, good morning, and we're hopping right in. So um, today's episode, I think I want to start with, I'm recording three episodes today. So, or at least least I'm going to try to, but I think I want to start with social media and mental health and how mindfulness can make social media work for you. Right. And I was going to say more enjoyable because for myself and a lot of people that I know in my real life um, and even online, people have been just I've just been hearing whispers that, you know, a lot of us are not enjoying social media and that social media feels different. Social media um, is not. Oh, excuse me. I I apologize in advance if you hear me shifting around a lot and sounding like I'm in pain. It's because I am. I took this dance class last night and when I tell you my legs are so stiff and sore, oh my gosh. <laughs> so I am I am struggling this morning physically, but we're going to get through this. I just have to find a comfortable position to record in. But yeah, a lot of us have been feeling that Social media is just not the place that it used to be. And I'm not sure how long you guys have been on like Instagram, for example, or even YouTube, but there was definitely a shift, right? Like there was a shift maybe around, I want to say like 2014, maybe 2013, where it went from like all fun and games, right? It went from, we're posting pictures of sunsets, we're posting pictures of flowers, we're posting with trash filters, right? Nobody's thinking about aesthetics or branding. It's really just the place to just go, to just post, to just share what you're doing in the moment in real time. And then it shifted. It was like the rise of influencers and the rise of branding and the rise of, you know, having a personal brand. And that's not to say that people didn't have that prior to then, because of course, you know, if you're into social media, fashion, beauty, blogging, there's people I can think of that have always been doing this, right? So like when I think of people like Sincerely Jewels or Fashion Bananas, or um, even like Notorious, Notorious KIA, um, 
or if I think of people like Ambrosia, um, there's like a handful or not a handful, but there's, there's a great deal of people who really kind of hopped on the influencer wave before it was like a really big wave, but around a certain point, and don't quote me on the years, but I just remember there was a shift where it was like, it, everything became very calculated, it seemed. And um, it was no longer a place where posting photos of the sunset or the beach was appropriate, right? Or it didn't feel like it was the place for it anymore. And now when we look at social media, when we see images of the beach or sunsets, right? Because people may still post those things, but a lot of times when people post them, it's like drone footage, okay? We're giving you, I hired a photographer to come with me on this trip, right? We're giving you drone, we're giving you high quality, we're giving you like movie productions. And when I think about some of like my favorite influencers today, like Lydia Dinga or, um, I was going to say B. Nisi, um, Natural Nisi. She's another one that I really like, but she doesn't give you drone footage. You know, I'm talking about the people who like they're taking their travel, their vlogs, their content, um, even just the social media content to a whole different level. Right. And it's just so fascinating to witness. And also for those who may be new here, um, I used to have a YouTube channel. I still do where I post my podcast, but I used to like, you know, create videos about fashion and beauty and hair and lifestyle and all of that stuff. Um, And I used to work in the beauty and fashion space. So not only was I um, doing a YouTube channel, but I was giving you tutorials. Okay. I was giving you makeup looks. My makeup looks were not good though. So I kind of just stuck in like the hair and skincare world for the most part. Did a little bit of fashion when I first started. Um, But yeah, there was just a shift and um, now, you know, or I would say maybe for the last couple of years, there's been this rise of self-care brands that I feel like have really kind of just like started to dominate that influencer space. Like there's a lot, a lot, a lot of self-care brands specifically for women, which is great, but also like men, you know, men need self-care too. And I actually would love to see some really dope men self-care brands and brands that are just uplifting men and spaces for men, especially black men. Um, it just doesn't seem to be a lot of that. Um, but if you guys know some, you know, feel free to send them to me on Instagram or shoot me an email, but yeah, those are just some of my observations around social media and how it shifted. And I'll be honest. And, um, I think, again, for people who have been following me for a while, people who um, have seen my transition and my journey with social media, you already know that (laughs) for me, I would probably say in like 2019, yeah, like when I moved to California, 2019, the end of 2019, I wasn't really feeling it anymore, especially YouTube, like my content started to I, I honestly was barely posting. And when I was posting, it was mainly vlogs because vlogs didn't require me to like show up in a way. It was kind of more so like a creative outlet for me. Like I didn't have to do the ring light and do my hair and makeup for the video. Like y'all don't look, if you know, you know how much of a process is, but for people who don't create content, creating content legitimately is a full-time job. 
So when we see these creators making thousands and millions of dollars, honestly, it's well-deserved. It is a well-deserved career because although a lot of people make it seem easy, it is a full-time job, okay? And I won't even go into all the ins and outs of why it's a full-time job. There's so many amazing um, podcasts that break that down if that's something you're interested in. I would actually suggest one called Content Queens with Notorious Kia and um, Vic, Vic, Vic Styles, I think is her Instagram name. Um, but yeah, if you're interested in learning more about all of that, go listen to their podcast because they really do get into the nitty gritty of being a content creator. Um, but yeah, it's just, you know, it shifted for me where I found, I'll be honest, from the very beginning back in like 2012, I think. I struggled with comparison, right? Because if you're a millennial, you know, we grew up in that era where we experienced life without the internet. And then we also experienced the internet. And I remember being in like high school, maybe I was like a freshman or a sophomore in high school where MySpace was like the thing. And I remember being so fascinated that I could connect with all these people from all over the world and see how they dressed and how they wore their hair. And it felt different from like, you know, your Essence or your Seventeen or your Teen Vogue magazine, whatever you were reading at the time. It felt different from that because it felt like these are normal people like me. These are normal girls like me. And I just remember being so into it. Like I was really, really one of those people that's been hours on MySpace, right? And not just like created my page and selected my top eight. <laughs> okay. I was like legitimately just fascinated by all of the people I could see in their lives. And just like this little glimpse into who they were, it was very interesting now that I think about it, how much time I spent just like consuming other people's pages and photos and their music and, and that really impacted me because I remember that experience of being really into my space and really like getting, starting that feeling of comparison, right? Because prior to that, if I was comparing myself to somebody, it was like my peers in high school or it was somebody in a magazine. Um, but it wasn't thousands of people that I didn't know, you know? Um, so yeah, so I remember when almost like that seed of comparison was planted in my brain and it kind of felt like a drug. And I know that might sound intense to some people who can't relate to this, but it really did. Like it felt, I, I can remember feeling addicted to going on to MySpace and having that satisfaction of like comparing myself to other people. And I think that continued, you know, throughout, um, I wasn't really into Facebook for real, but throughout like Facebook and Twitter and Instagram for me, I feel like was the biggest one where I really started to notice those unhealthy patterns of comparison. And with that came a lot of um, feelings of being inadequate, right? And this is like, this is young. This is, this is baby team. I'm talking about like high school. I was still very young. Um, but I remember when I started a blog, it just kind of grew, right? Like that feeling just grew where I started to compare myself to bloggers. I started to compare myself to people who have been doing it for years. And I had just started, I started to compare myself to really big YouTubers. Um, 
And it was just like something that always came up for me was this um, comparison. And I talked about this in the last episode um, or one of the last episodes about how um, as a content creator, comparison is inevitable, right? Like it doesn't matter how fly you are. It doesn't matter what amazing content you're creating. As a content creator, it is really impossible to avoid comparison because um, even if it's coming from a healthy place, right? Like I can say now that where I am, I'm not, I'm not comparing myself in a negative space to my peers of, oh, this person has X amount of followers and I only have this amount, right? But there is this natural inclination because it's a habit, right? And it's a habit that has been built over years. Like, I don't even know how many years, but it's been built over probably two decades at this point. So it is something that is, it takes time to break and to reprogram. And for me, a huge part of why I um, shifted how I use social media was to break that programming, was to break that addiction to comparison and that addiction to feeling like productivity was the answer to my self-worth or was the, um, the metric to my self-worth. And a lot of people, a lot of people feel that way, whether you are a content creator or you're someone that just uses social media casually, we all experience comparison. We all experience that feeling of maybe I should post more, maybe I should do more, maybe I should create this. You can't help it. That's just the environment. That is the way it was designed, right? It was designed to create this type of um, mindset where you feel FOMO. It was designed to create this this type of um, addiction, right? And if you don't, if you're not convinced that social media is really like a drug and it is um, designed to be addictive, I would recommend checking out um, some different documentaries on um, Netflix. There's or Netflix, HBO Max. There's one that I recent recently watched called. Um, do you want to be famous or famous? I think it's called famous. And then there's another one that was on Netflix that I really, really liked. And it really breaks down like the negative side effects and um, just how social media was designed. I'm actually looking it up because I really think the one on Netflix does a great job. The social dilemma. There we go. Does a great job of exploring like the negative side of it. Um, so yeah, check those out if you're not convinced and you're like, it's not that deep, girl. You may not think that it is, but there's a reason why people like Bill Gates um, don't allow their children to use social media, even though they're a huge part in the design of it, right? There's a reason why these people who created all these apps are very particular about their own family being exposed to what they've created. So just something to consider, right? And um, with all of that in mind, I've seen this wave of, um, I guess, Gen X. I think that's the generation beneath me is Gen X um, or the younger generation is Gen X. And I've been seeing like this rise in videos of people talking about like make social media normal again or make social media fun again. And um I think that's an interesting concept. And there's this one young lady in particular that I watched who she talked about how like, you know, it's almost becoming like a brand and an aesthetic to 
post regular photos again, right? Like maybe you've seen this on your feed, maybe you haven't, but blurry pictures and, you know, random poses and super like close zoomed in shots where you can't even make out what the photo is. But it's like, that's like the cool thing to do now is to like, or at least to the, the Gen X kids to, you know, be regular on social media. And something that I see a lot with my generation is I see a lot of people posting and I do it too. Um, like the mood boards or the slot, the carousels where it's like 10 images. And maybe the first one is like a cute photo, but all the rest of them are kind of just like random, like inspo photos. And I actually really like that. I like that. I think for me, because I am someone that if you go to my Instagram, you can see I, I literally curate it. It is, it's obvious that it's curated, but at the same time, I still enjoy the creative aspect of social media and I kind of enjoy feeling like when you slide through those photos is giving like a tumblr vibe if you know you know but tumblr was probably like the most iconic social media site of all the social media sites in my opinion because it was so authentic right and now I think Instagram is striving for this authenticity and it's coming off as an aesthetic right? The aesthetic is authenticity. But Tumblr really was aesthetics. Tumblr really was authenticity without trying to be. And yeah, it's kind of like, like if I had to compare it to, to something, it's like Tumblr to me feels like the cool, quirky, like younger sibling who genuinely is like the wild card in the family. And I'm thinking of like Elisa Bonet in my mind, right? Like, it's just like, it's just effortless. It just oozes. Like, this is just who I am. Like, I can't change it if I wanted to. I'm deep, I'm creative, I'm weird, I'm fly, but I'm not trying. And then Instagram is like your auntie that's like trying really hard to stay relevant. And she has all the latest designer bags and she's doing the most. And she's, you know, posting about her every move in order to feel seen and to feel validated. It's just two different vibes, you know, it's just two different vibes. And I have been feeling really drawn to that um, low effort, not trying super hard, but at the same time, right? Like I have a brand and I have opportunities that come from having a brand and people judge that brand, right? People that I'm connecting with, client, potential clients, um, potential brand deals and, and sponsor opportunities, they're going there to see what my brand is. So as much as I want to be like, <laughs> screw this, I'm about to just post these <laughs> aesthetic photos. It's like, but it now it's not telling the story that brands need in order to sell something through you, because that's really what it's about. So I say all of that to say, one, I'm not judging anybody for how they choose to show up on social media. I'm just sharing my experience. And also, like, I, my goal is to get to a point where I don't need to care about my brand online in order to have a sustainable business and opportunities in real life. Right now, I do still care. Right now, I feel like I'm like... I have one foot in and one foot out because there are some things that I do that my Instagram is important. 
right? And then there's other things that I do where it's like, it doesn't matter if I have an Instagram, but um, yeah, it's just something that I've been thinking a lot about lately. And I've been talking to a few of my um, friends who also create content and they have similar feelings where they're just like, you know, I think I'm ready to leave social media. And that's like one of my lifelong goals is to just have a day where I'm just like, you know what? I am choosing to walk away from this and live my life off the grid (laughs) and just go back to being a normal person because it feels so nice. And so now I'm going to share a few things, a few tips now that I've done all of that ranting and raving, but really that's what the episode was about. I wanted to just have a candid conversation about that. Um, And let me know your thoughts if you're listening. Like I always say, send me a DM, send me an email if this is posted on YouTube, because girl, this podcast might not make it to YouTube anymore. I'm just going to put that out there. Um, But if it's there, you know, leave a comment as you're listening along. But I want to share some um, things that I've noticed that have really helped me. Some of them you may have heard me talk about before, um, but I'll just share them. You take what resonates, take what works for you, try out some things, you know, and leave the rest. One other thing I want to say really fast before I get into these five tips is support in real life versus support online. Honey, okay, when I tell you, (sighs) I don't even know where to start. Okay, Let me rewind. I'm going to go back to the tips and then I'm going to dive into supporting people in real life versus supporting people online, right? Because the first tip ties directly into this little story time that I have for you. So grab your tea if you don't have it already. So the first tip is to unfollow people. Y'all already know I am a huge, huge advocate of unfollowing people, right? So if you go to my Instagram currently, you will see that I only follow one page and that is the page to my nonprofit, right? I've talked about this plenty of times before, but in case you missed those episodes, the reason why I don't follow people is because following people doesn't feel like a good experience to me, right? If I have to use social media for my brand and also I use social media with some of the clients that I work with, so I spend a lot of time on social media, right? And because I... In particular, when I when I did this, it was during the pandemic, right? I believe it was during the pandemic where I was working a job where I was a social media coordinator and I was on social media from like the moment I started my day, my work day, until like five, sometimes six in the afternoon, in the evening. And being on social media that much for my personal page, my brand page, and seeing all the stuff that was going on, the riots, the chaos, the shootings, the this, the that, the pandemic, it was like too much. And I decided if I have to be on social media for work, I'm not going to um, have my personal page be inundated with all of the stuff. So at first, it was just kind of an experiment. It was like, okay, I'm just going to unfollow um and see, maybe I'll follow people back in the future. And I really enjoyed it to the point where I was like, wait, this feels so much better. This feels so much better where I can go on Instagram, whether it's for work or for personal and not feel a thousand emotions coursing through me at once because I'm following a thousand people, 
right? I don't feel the joy of seeing a child being born and the sadness of witnessing a murder right after that. I don't have that experience anymore. I will say some of the downsides of that, which leads me into the story time, is that because we are a society that has built so much validation and so much of our um, worth into our social media and our images online, that people confuse not following you online as you not supporting them in real life, which I find to be completely fascinating, right? So fascinating. And this is something that I posted about on my Instagram after the last episode on my Instagram stories. I posted that people are going to judge you if you decide to unfollow them because they're going to think it's personal. They're going to think that it's a personal attack against them, which is so strange because it's like, when you really think about it, 90% of the things that people are doing has nothing to do with you. Like people are not thinking about us as much as we think that they are. But when you, if you decide to try this tip and you unfollow everybody, I guarantee people will judge you, right? People will, people who don't even know you will judge you. If you meet somebody, one of the first things they might ask, or at least, you know, I find a lot of times when I'm meeting people connecting, whether it's like for networking purposes or like, you know, we're trying to get to know each other. A lot of times they start with, oh, what's your Instagram? And it's like, maybe we should exchange numbers if we actually want to get to know each other. No? Wouldn't that be a good place to start? Like to exchange numbers? Why do you want my Instagram? But the Instagram tells a story, right? It sells you something. It sells you an idea of me, whether it's a brand or as a person, it's selling you an idea of me without you actually having to get to know me, right? So it's the lazy way to get to know me, but you're only getting to know one side of me. You're not getting to know who I actually am, right? But a lot of people will take that action of you unfollowing them on social media and they will feel offended and they will take it personal. It's happened to me multiple times where, you know, I might've been hanging out with a friend or someone that I knew that I know, like I'm cool with. I'm like, oh, I see you unfollowed me on social media. And I'm like, did you also notice that I unfollowed my sister, my brother, my best friends, right? Like I don't follow anybody, baby girl, (laughs) but somehow you think this is about you. (laughs) It baffles me. But at the same time, I'm not surprised, right? It's like, I'm baffled, but I'm not surprised. So I will say that, and then I will also say that um, so following a person online is not the same thing as support, okay? It's not the same thing as support. Just because someone follows you on social media, they watch your every move, they watch your every story, they like your every post, that doesn't mean that they genuinely support you in real life and vice versa. Just because a person is not doing those things does not mean that they don't support you in real life. And speaking for myself, there are people that I, well, I don't follow anybody, but out of the people that I know in real life who are having events and doing different things with their career and selling products, I, when I rock with a person, I support them wholeheartedly. I'm coming to your events. I'm buying your tickets. I'm donating to your causes. All of that stuff is behind the scenes, but yet some people will feel triggered that you are not publicly showing how much you support them by pressing that little follow button on their Instagram page. It is the most baffling yet interesting thing to me. And I'm curious if anybody else can relate to it. You know, when I posted that episode 
recently about social me- about how I use social media, um, a few people hit me up saying that they were going to try it. So I'm curious to know if you tried it, let me know what your experience has been. Let me know how people have reacted to you unfollowing them. And let me know if it's something you plan to continue doing. Another thing you can do if you're not at that stage where you want to unfollow people is you can mute people. Now, when I did this little experiment, I had hundreds of maybe thousands of people that I was following. And um, I didn't want to go through that because it's easier on Instagram to unfollow people than it is to mute them. Like muting a person takes like three, four, three steps maybe, or at least at the time it then did. But just pressing the unfollow button was like quick. Like I could just go through and do it like a bunch at a time. So I was like, this is easier. I'm not about to spend hours trying to mute people. But that is an option if you're like, you know, may I still do want to support these people. <laughs> yes, that was shade because I gave you air quotes. I still want to support these people. So I'm going to continue to follow them. But um, I don't want to see everything that they post. So that's an option as well. Um, of course, another thing you can do is just be more mindful of your usage, right? There's different apps and different things you can set up on your phone where you can have like timers to keep you from um, overdoing it, right? Um, you can also ignore your explore page because that's something that still gets me to this day. I'm not going to lie to you. Even though I don't follow people, that explore page, honey, will pull me right back in sometimes. So Ignoring the explore page and, of course, turning off your notifications, right? We don't need those notifications. We don't need that little red dot. That little red dot is designed to keep us addicted. Um, You don't need it, though. It literally triggers endorphins and it triggers happy hormones when you see that red dot on your phone. So when you see, like, oh, I have two notifications, like, it, (laughs) just, just go watch those documentaries if you have it because there is so much just detail that was put into creating this addictive cycle. But that's it. That's all I got for you guys today. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I will see you in or talk to you. I also want to mention before I let you go that my team and I are still raising money for the Soul Beauty Outreach Nonprofit. If you don't know what that is, go back to episode number 80, I believe, where I talk exclusively about the nonprofit. It's a whole episode, probably an hour long, where I describe to you why we started it, what the mission is, and how we plan to get there. And I also talk about why we're raising money. But really quickly, for those who don't know, the Soul Beauty Outreach is a nonprofit designed to provide soul care to homeless women. What does that mean? Mental health, mindfulness, and meditation resources being provided in spaces where the mental and emotional health of a person is typically overlooked. So if that's something that you want to be a part of, click the link in the description of this podcast right now and make a donation. Also, if you want to learn more information about all of this, there's more information on the Instagram at Soul Beauty Outreach. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for making it to the end of this episode. And I will talk to you in the next one.
Before we get any further into this episode, I want to share with you a resource that I've been using called Faithful Counseling. Faithful Counseling is a solution for people seeking traditional mental health counseling who would prefer hearing from the perspective of a Christian. If you are seeking a mental health professional who is a practicing Christian, Faithful Counseling may be a great option for you. I'm going to share a few details about this app in case you're interested in checking it out. One of the best things is that you can start communicating in under 24 hours. This is not a crisis line and is not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online with real therapists. One of the best things also is that there is a broad range of expertise and faithful counseling's counselors network, which may not be locally available in some areas. However, the service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account at any time and send a message to your counselor. And you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room, as with traditional therapy. Faithful Counseling is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change your counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available for those who need assistance. Faithful Counseling wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website and read some of their testimonials that are posted daily, or you can listen to my personal review that I shared a few years ago, I think, maybe like a year or so ago, um, before this collaboration came about, and you can learn about my personal experience. If you're interested in signing up and joining over half a million people who are taking charge of their mental health with the help of a professional, uh, use my link, getfaithful.com slash soulbeauty. Again, if you're interested in taking charge of your mental health, use my link, getfaithful.com slash soulbeauty. By using my link, you will get 10% off your first month of sessions. And again, that's getfaithful.com slash soul beauty. Back to the episode.